All right, there we go. Hello, everybody. Creative Writing Life Podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. And Justin, you know what? I just realized I think this is our first uh, recording of 2021. Hey, oh, <laughs> that might be correct, which is kind of sad that it's the 22nd of January. Uh, I guess we've been slacking, but at least we've been posting episodes because we had a few in the back burner. So that's that's true. That's true. But we've been, you know, we've been uh, everybody's been keeping busy, especially with all the writing they've been doing uh, this month of January. Yes, yes. And uh, we have a special guest today. Um, I didn't ask Noah if he wants me to say his whole name with the third and everything like that. So I'll just say, Noah, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Uh, yeah, my name's Noah. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, you know, walk around introducing myself with a sword. Um, I, yeah, my name's Noah A. Waters III. Uh, I'm a 32nd degree Mason and a, a knight, knighted member with a couple of orders. Um, but I don't, <laughs> like I said, I, I don't walk around introducing myself or anything. It's just, it's just Noah. I'm just Noah. Cool. You, don't, you don't go, you don't go around flashing your sword. No, it's so, you know, it's it's so funny because this is uh, such a, I have attention deficit just so everyone knows. So there's going to be a shit ton of tangents throughout this conversation. But I, I love, uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but when, when Damon Lindelof was offered to rewrite the uh, screenplay for Prometheus, he got a call from his agent. He was driving and said, hey, Sir Ridley Scott is about to call you. And he thought it was a prank, obviously, you know, and he pulled over, but he kept, uh, saying how worried he was about through the rewrite process like what is it lo- like when a knight fires you you know do they do they do a <laughs> sword or <laughs> rightly so <laughs> challenge, challenge you to a duel yeah so <laughs> noah and i met at the oscars viewing party at the producers guild i think last yeah, year yeah. good 20... stuff see, good how long ago was that now yeah, almost a year, right? We're coming up as what? March it or April? Like four. It seems like it was a decade ago. Because <laughs> there were so many people, you know, <laughs> in, a, um, in a room. It's like, I don't even remember what the world was like. Holy crap. Yeah, it was a different, different time. Oh, yeah, I guess that, but it wasn't, that's weird, right? Because when was the Oscar party? Because it was, it seems like it was before COVID really happened. There were no masks involved. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So anyway, yeah, I thought Noah was a fun guy. He seems really cool. He has a lot to share with us, I think. He has some cool projects on IMDb I want to talk about and, of course, a new one coming up. But before we get into that, we always do our little what have we been watching, listening to, reading, all of that stuff. Um, so I'll start. I have, I'm doing my thing where I kind of follow a director, uh, just do like, a, you know, go watch a bunch of YouTube videos about a director and then other things like that and then their movies and 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 have a lot of fun with that and so right now i'm doing a uh oh man my brain is going weird for some reason um david fincher uh, fincher yes <laughs> a great brain. One, That's, if you were going to pick a a director to yeah, follow yeah. their career you know it, it's fantastic you can tell you know around panic room was his last 35 millimeter film the rest he's, he completely bought into digital cinema with red but um <laughs> I'm a, fincher was a major influence yeah, yeah. on me i almost said david and, lynch and probably paused so long. i was like it's not david lynch who am i yeah <laughs> well, i know you weren't going to say david lean either so yeah yeah so i finally went back and watched i'd never watched the girl with the dragon tattoo and uh mink and a bunch of others that he's done and so i've been watching these and and every single one of them i'm like why did i avoid this how stupid of me um even uh, Gone Girl and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo both blew me away. Like, I know everybody loved him, but I just, 
I saw the trailers and I was like, it's not for me. It's it's definitely for me, by the way. So if you're in that same boat and you're thinking, eh, it's not for me, I recommend you give both of them a try. Yeah, I would watch a Fincher film about paint drying. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, he, yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. Well, far. especially after you watch some videos about what he does, like these people analyzing his techniques and stuff, it's a lot more fun to watch because you're realizing how amazing he is. <laughs> you might not realize it before you watch those. Yeah, if you're an idiot like me. <laughs> you know, I spoke with um, the uh, the gen- oh my goodness, I feel like a jerk now because I can't think of his name. But uh, the guy who picked up um, the DP job after the pilot of Mindhunter, um, he had worked with Fincher on three films prior as a gaffer. Then you know they had a good relationship and then after the pilot was wrapped the dp got another gig and then fincher asked him to come on board and so you know during that conversation i was just like a q a machine trying to get as much much fincher as i could get from um uh this gentleman because i you know i love fincher's use of what he puts in the frame how he moves the frame um, it's always been an obsession of mine, just something I try and emulate in my work. And, uh, you know, one thing Fincher's known for is just, you know, uh, I, well, not known for. It's rumored that he does, you know, over 100 takes every every setup. And it's it's necessarily true. Um, you know, there he do, he's a perfectionist, so he's going to stay on that shot until he gets what he wants. Um but uh, uh, and a, a lot of the times it's the orchestration shots, you know, where there's a lot of things of that nature. He will he will stay on that set until it's done, uh, which might mean you know getting through two to three steps a day. Um, but uh, it's not quite as the extent as you know it's kind of rumored to be in the in the, the film world if you will okay. uh, he does take his time he is a uh, perfectionist but um rightfully so you know look at his work yeah yeah it's amazing um paul what about you anything good uh let's see uh on the the reading front uh right around during the holidays so i went to the comic book store and they always have like the uh the bagged collection of uh, older comics you know like drastically marked down and so i actually got I, I just like Westerns, so they had a collection of, like, three out of five Marvel comics from, like, 2006 that were just, like, this, uh, uh, what would be, like, a, just an assortment of uh, Western stories collected in comic form. So they had stuff like Jack Kirby wrote back in the 50s and 60s, and they had stuff that some modern guys did and really liked it, so it led me to get uh, the hardback collection of all of them uh, through Amazon, and that was really cool. And uh, watching-wise, I'm still working my way through my Netflix queue. I'm uh, still proceeding through the Peter Capaldi years of Doctor Who. I'm up to season 10, so that's kind of nice. I'm still enjoying that. Uh, as part of research uh, for this rewrite that I'm doing, we rewatched uh, Shaun of the Dead and could not get over how fantastic it is. I mean, I hadn't seen it in like 10, 12 years. And it was just really good and so such a tight, compact story and just great writing. And on the other end of that, uh, because I wanted to see it, because I uh, feel felt like I had to, I watched uh, the New Mutants, and boy, was that a disappointment! <laughs> oh, yeah, That's too bad. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up reading the comics, and so I'm familiar with the characters, and just like it's like the the, I don't know if the director also wrote it, but 
it's like he hadn't read the comics or someone just gave him like a, a one page list like oh these are the characters this is what they do okay just go do something with it and <laughs> he just kind of ignored the rest of it it just wasn't good i could see i think they made it in two, uh, 2017 and it kept getting pushed back and pushed back and i think uh, they released it digitally last year or like they had a like three screen release uh, during the lockdown last year uh, it just was so disappointing and you know just you know but i saw it and that's all i can say about it cool i'll judge it for myself but uh yeah that happens sometimes <laughs> it does right. it does no you got anything for us anything you've been watching reading listening to that you want to share oh yeah um i uh last night i i re-watched um uncle frank the uh alan ball <laughs> film on amazon uh really good really good film um it was more of a pleasure watch it wasn't so much a uh because i'm working on anything um my uh my reference watch things have uh have been a lot of fincher films uh including um girl with a dragon tattoo and gone girl um some uh tarantino with um hateful eight and uh django unchained um and i'm currently watching like uh for the first time all the way through the NBC series, the blacklist with James Spader. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the pilot when it aired and I loved it. And it was just weird situations where I just didn't no reason why I just didn't come back and, and uh, now it's on Netflix and I'm, I'm nearing the, the final season as we speak. It's pretty exciting. Uh, it's really hard for me to commit to a one hour drama just because, you know, it's going to take so much of your life away from you. <laughs> but, uh, it's 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 really well done. I mean, it's it's got its dip, you know, where obviously there were changes in the writers' room and things of that nature. But um, it, it's really good storytelling. James is out of this world, and um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm also uh, watching Night Stalker on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I just watched that today. In uh whatever you want to call this part of the world la area i would suggest not to do so <laughs> uh, will cause you to increase your fortitude and, and home security uh yeah. but yeah great docuseries great very well done yeah cool so uh latching on to what you talked about with like referencing and watching things when you're working on projects do you find that you do that? Do you do you find a series of movies or certain ones that are related that you go to when prepping for a project? For direction and to give um, to give us homework assignments to my cast, but never huh? for never for storytelling. Um, I'm a uh, the way I write is uh, I don't want to say unique. It, it's different. <laughs> than most and probably the least profitable <laughs> to, just to be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm a, a huge character guy. Um, and you know, uh, Hollywood, like the studio system is super high concept driven. Oh, yeah. It's just, I could give a shit about high concept film and storytelling. It's just not my thing. I hate formula. I fight against it as much as possible, honestly. Uh, which, you know, doesn't make you a very <laughs> lucrative uh, 
like put you in a lucrative situation as far as representation and things like that goes. Cause for the most part, they want to be able to put you into a genre box. You know, this is my, uh, this is my horror action thriller guy, um, who, you know, knows the formula and can go crank it out for a writing assignment. And that's not me. Uh, I'm a character guy. Um, so if I'm doing research for a film, it's because I'm, I'm done with the writing process and I'm into prep and working with the cast. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. And you've done a few projects now, right? Like, uh, let's see how many, do you have a guess of how many you've done, uh, directed, let's say, uh, without looking, don't look. Narrative wise, I think I've done in the director's chair anyway, probably like 16 to 17 projects, um, uh, that are in various stages. And then as far as work goes, you know, um, I've done just a lot of, uh, short form marketing commercials, uh, stuff to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. And, uh, have you studied the, the art in a formal sense? Yeah, I, uh, I, I studied under, um, uh, Carlos Granda for a while in Tallahassee, Florida, um, and uh, did a lot of adjunct work with the film school at FSU. I did not, uh, I was never able to get into any film school. Um, and I studied under Dov Simmons uh, in LA, uh, probably 10 years ago now, um, who I can't suggest enough if you wanna, if you wanna be a filmmaker, and you want the most efficient uh, Dobbs two-day school sincerely out of this world. What's it called again? Uh, I think his marketing is like the two-day film school or something like uh -huh. that. You can see his marketing around uh, a lot of the film industry. Yeah, uh, A lot of big wigs have, have gone through his course. Um, and it's a great, you know, this is how you make a film. Uh, you know, you're... Uh, it's great. Um, and in screenwriting, uh, I studied at uh, Screenwriting U uh, online and then went through um, Roadmap Writers uh, program all the way up through Top Tier. And uh, I studied theater uh, as a base because I wanted a kind of an empathetic approach to working with actors. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Paul, did you want to jump in with anything? No, I'm just enjoying listening to his story. Uh, I was, I actually, you know, if we're, still happy to talk about filmmaking and writing and directing, but I actually wanted to get into Noah's uh, stand-up background. I want, I want to hear more about like how we, how we got into that, and uh, you know, was that something you were actively pursuing? Was it just like a little on the side? I mean, and especially, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are done by comedians, and they're all talking about, you know. Since you, you can't do a live show, you have the option, like you can do the drive-in thing or you can perform on Zoom or in a Zoom room type of thing. I mean, is that something that you've been able to do? Are you, are you focusing more on the filmmaking now? I have attended a couple of Zoom shows. I refuse to perform. I just, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I've done four, um, but it's still awkward, man. Like it's, um, you know, stand-up is a very uh, 
you know, like a musician plays the guitar, like a comedian, you play the audience. So you've got to be able to hear the laugh in time with your timing so that you know how to respond properly. And, I, you know, I've been at a couple of them where they'll occasionally set like a mic or two outside of a car. So you hear laughter coming through the um, uh, the speakers on stage, but it, it still throws everything off. Um Still enjoyable, you know. I, I I like a thousand times better than the digital the video shows, just because I mean you got to have an audience. That's, that's that's four or five in a you know a little uh, shadow box theater or something. But you got to have an audience to play. Otherwise, it's not stand up. It's just spoken word. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so uh, once things start to get a little back nor to normal, are you uh, going to like actively pursue like trying to get more gigs or I mean, just be just because I mean, when Justin first told me about you, I like, you know, did a little research and I said, okay, well, he's, he's primarily, you know, writer, director, and we'll get to your projects in a sec. But I was also just, I'm, I'm always intrigued to talk to someone who ventures into stand up. So I'm I'm curious to know, like, are you going to slowly dip your toes back in when it's a little safer to do that sort of thing um i guess like five six years ago now i made the conscious decision to step away from stand-up pretty heavily like i still try and get up on stage at least once a week or so well not now obviously right but right or quarantine i did um but i i have this like weird anxiety attack of uh i I, I didn't want to be known as a stand-up who does television. I wanted to be known as a filmmaker who also does stand-up. Mm -hmm. And I was a lot more traction in the stand-up world. You know, I was making my living with stand-up. And, and um, I don't know, I just had this really uh, uh, like anxiety attack and took the conscious decision to just step back from it and focus more on film and TV, um, which my you know, manager at the time loved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I, I still, I'll never leave stand up. Um, I would, I definitely want to have my first feature go to theaters before I have my first hour special. Oh, okay. It's kind of what I, I Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Well, it's great that you're crossing over. And I see that you have a few other credits in here as well. Uh, you know, writer, producer, actor, camera, etc. Do you feel like you are primarily a director or just a movie maker, or do you have a, an angle on that? Um, I'm a character-based so whatever that means, I love working with most favorite thing to do. Like I, I my, uh, like I said, my writing process character and uh i put so much work into developing and layering a character that getting to work with an actor who's hard working and willing to go with you is is like i think it's the closest i'll ever come to being happy <laughs> like it's where it's where i get the from for sure um i uh uh, yeah, so I, I think I excel most uh, in the director's chair, which is funny to say because I never sit down on set. Um, I I just I, I, I love directing the most. Uh, I'm not one of those writers who would say that I hate writing, but it's definitely not my favorite thing in the world to do. Um, 
it's it is a, a labor it's a labor of love but it is a labor for me um but i never feel like i am um uh you know quote unquote at work when i'm on set or in rehearsal uh that's my my favorite place to be um so i can pro i can do pretty much everything on a film set not well, but I can do pretty much everything, uh, including craft services <laughs> and whatever's needed. Um, but uh, by far, direction is um, where my heart lies. Yeah, great. Um, and for people who are interested in getting into this, uh, let's say they're trying to become a director. Do you recommend uh, starting off with any of these other avenues first? Any in particular? I, If you want to be... A filmmaker if you want to be a director um i would suggest first of all there is no one single path um a lot of amazing filmmakers have come from film school a lot of amazing filmmakers have come from the indie route um and some of them have come from you know other industries and and just branched over uh my thing is um learn how a set operates how it all comes together because <clears throat> one of your main jobs is putting all the puzzle pieces together and orchestrating it in a way to tell the story um when you are first getting started and no one's going to hand you a check for any amount to go make a film uh know that you're gonna have to volunteer your rear end off um and I would try and 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 get gigs working in the camera department. Um, you know, uh, no DP is going to have you operating on your first film set ever. But if you can try and get in the camera department as often as possible, and then try and get into the position of focus puller, mm. I I was I I pulled focus. For ev forever, it seemed like on on features, shorts, commercials, everything. And the reason I can't suggest uh, more highly uh, to do that position is because you are literally in the center of everything. You get a front row seat to watching how the director works with the cast, how the DP makes their shots, uh, the reason for uh, lighting. Uh, everything kind of comes together with the focus puller. Uh, and and you know you learn a lot like you learn a lot about visual language um why we're looking at what we're looking at why we're not looking at what we're not looking at um yeah yeah if you can get on if you can work your way up to and stay out of focus puller for a long time you will earn more than any other position i know a lot of people say to to go the pa route which is not a bad gig you know uh pa is a great way to get started um, but P a low level PA, most of your work is away from set. You know, you're running, you're running to get whatever, uh, to bring it back to set. And then you're shoved off set when we roll cameras. So, um, if you can get into the camera department and try and work a bunch of gigs to work your way up to focus puller, um, it's a great place to be. Cause then you're either going to be right in front of the camera getting a front row seat to the cast, the talent performing, 
and you get to see what the director is doing with the cast. I mean, unless they pull an actor way off stage to give him a note. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, you're like, you know, uh, coming from a, 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 you know, a military background. It's like you're literally in the trenches if you get that position. Uh, yeah, we should, we definitely got to mention that uh, one of the way we've connected is through this military angle with the, uh, all the vets in, in L.A. So, uh, yeah. And you were in the Army? Yeah, I was in the Army and I did a lot of uh, private mercenary work. Pretty cool. <laughs> Let's get into your project because we want to make sure we don't ignore that. Uh, so you have a new upcoming project, right? And you're going to do a Kickstarter for it? I, I, I do. I do. Um, it's... Uh... It is a short film, but this one, you know, most filmmakers make a proof of concept short, you know, like they got this idea for a feature or a series or a mini series, web series, whatever. So they make a short film to kind of prove that they can do the concept or this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I keep mentioning, I'm not a concept guy. I'm a, I'm a character guy. So I, what I wanted to do is make this, I have this world that I've been working on for a little over a decade. Uh, called Lethal Ladies, and there's several characters in the ensemble, and I picked two of them and have pulled them into their own little snippet of a narrative, and I want to do it in a way that introduces the world to, <laughs> that's funny, the world to the world, like the world to this world, but through these two characters, kind of like um, introduce them, who they are, why they are the way they are, why they act the way they act, why they say what they say, and, and let that be kind of a quote-unquote proof of concept, but more proof of character uh, to show people that I, I can do this specifically in this world. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the film is called Relationship Killers. Uh, it's Relationship Killers is a, a real mental health term that uh, refers to... Um, behaviors uh speech actions um things that your partner could do in a relationship that would make you want to end the relationship <laughs> um, and our, our film takes place on uh, a day when a couple realizes they need to work on their relationship and they go in for a couple's counseling therapy session uh and they're also trying to not divulge a dark secret that they both know Pretty cool. Pretty fun. Uh, Paul, are you still there? Did you want to jump in with anything on that? I know I can go on for hours about Kickstarter stuff. <laughs> well, I, well, I actually, I, um, so how, like how far along are you in the, yeah, I guess it would be pre-production. I mean, are you just starting out or did you figure out like what you needed and then kind of like calculated the cost and then, okay, I can use that with the Kickstarter or did you, is it all kind of like, I mean, how organized, how much planning have you put into it so far? Uh, I've been prepping this for like two years now. Um, I had the the screenplay finished um, uh, 27 months ago now, and um, and it's pretty much stayed the same. Um, I did have to recast about seven months ago. Uh, for, uh, no, no bad reasons. One got pregnant, um, and uh, and then the other had to drop out for personal reasons so we recast um and uh it, it's been an amazing process we have been rehearsing for probably seven months now um i'm a big prep guy uh i i think i'm a big believer that films are made in prep 
they're screwed up during production and then we try and fix them in post. Uh, but uh, I, as far as the like the budgeting and the scheduling goes, there's a variety of ways to do it. I prefer to take my FDX file and break it down in a program called Tagger, which I've been told is not necessary anymore if you have the most recent version of Final Draft, but I do and I don't know how to use those sides of it. So I still use Tagger and then I import the FDX into a program called Gorilla um, and export the, uh, the items, assign them a cost, and then break it down into schedule, which uh, would produce the budget that you need to, to get that done. Um, now that's all just logistics and things of that nature as far as uh, above the line cost you know, it's it's whatever you need to get it done. Um, that program spits out what you need for physical production. And actually, that does uh, raise another question because I've talked to a whole bunch of other filmmakers who've made shorts, and you know they write the script with the intention that they're going to make it themselves. So they try to keep things as simple as possible, both uh, in terms of location and number of characters. Now, is that something you really took into consideration while you were writing the script? Or did you kind of like start with an idea and you finish the script and said, OK, I'd really like to make this myself and then went back and kind of like uh, adjusted it for, you know, Noah's production? It's funny. Um, I so I attack features that way. Uh, I definitely write for a, a grounded, um, you know, a, a grounded production uh, for features. Uh, with shorts, I mean, you know, I'm probably not going to put a pirate ship, a chase sequence, and ballerinas in one sequence. Uh, but I, I, I don't specifically write to keep the budget down in a short because um, ideally it's not going to be, even if it, were a higher production cost, it's only going to be for a day or two. Um, in this, on this film, Relationship Killers, it is grounded. It is, um, you know, uh, a small cast, a small crew, one loc, uh, well, two locations. Um, but it wasn't done out of, uh, you know, the the train of thought of I need to keep this as inexpensive as possible. It just kind of worked its way out that way. Mm -hmm. What do you do with a proof of concept once it's done? I mean, are you sending that to producers and being like, hey, check it out? Or are you putting it online and sending it to festivals? What are you doing with that? Yeah, we're going to go the festival route um, okay. with this one. I, um, I've, I've gotten the most praise on the screenplay itself for this project. Um, gotten me the most attention in the literary sense um was told by uh no nah, i don't want to say multiple a few people you know if you can get this done from a production standpoint from a direction standpoint it, it could be your calling card you know uh, as far as that goes um but th those are all um extra benefits my thing is one i want my cast and crew to be able to walk away with footage they're incredibly proud of it can use to further their careers uh and then for me like i said it's it's a proof of character in this 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 world i've been working on for a while yeah really cool 
Uh, I'm in the same boat, but much farther behind you in the sense that I just started thinking I should probably try to do this. So I have a lot to learn from you, sir. Do you uh, have you done this on all your other projects too? Is this or is this your first Kickstarter? I I've done crowdfunding in the past. I'm terrible at it. I <laughs> I I I to ask someone for money is like one of the uh, worst things you could ask Noah to do. Uh, it's, it's really, really unnerving. Uh, I just, it's unsettling. I, I don't like it whatsoever. Um, I, I started, uh, a platform for this one and then got hooked up with a, uh, a really great consultant who's run like probably 50 highly successful crowdfunding campaigns and I'm, I'm, I'm working, uh, working with them to kind of revamp our, our current one now. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and I can give, you know, all the, the plugs and stuff at the end. Oh, you get, do you know the, is there like a cool link you can just tell us or should I just make sure I include that in the show notes? I will, I will give you to put what to put in the show notes because cool. the link itself is actually going to change, uh, okay. uh on Monday. Um, oh, but I can like uh, the social, you know, and everything, which will have the updated uh, campaign and everything to plug. Yeah, pretty cool. And what are let's let's say right now you're giving a little spiel for why people should get in there if you have it ready. If you don't, no worries. <laughs> but uh, what would you tell people listening who are like, "Oh, I'm excited. I want to check this out." What's some selling points or rewards or or anything like that? Um, it's a well, the the film itself. Uh, I, I call it a black comedy that deals with mental health um and uh I, i've uh, a lot of people because we we i did a lot of uh mental health research and and talked with uh therapists and 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 uh you know uh specifically uh counseling in non-traditional relationships and things of that nature so there's a lot of unique traits to it as far as that goes um but you know we have a lot of fun things. Our our the actor who plays the therapist um, is doing a perk where you can send in a fake therapy session, mm-hmm. and his character will respond with his faux psychoanalysis. Now, obviously, it's all fake. It's all narrative. Uh, you know, got to put the uh, if if you need help, go find a mental health expert uh, provider. Um, it's that's that's a really fun perk that we have going. Of course, there's always the um, uh, you know the the social media shout outs and um, uh, credits and 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 uh, different perks of that nature. Um, but I think like if you look at some of the marketing videos that we've done thus far, like you see the work that my cast have done because I've, I've done these little interview videos with them where we go into how how deep uh, you know each character is and 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 without spoiling stuff we just kind of talk about them and it's been a lot of fun you know and and it's um i'm i could not be more proud of both my cast and crew and i cannot wait to get on set um and then you know again because i'm not rodriguez tarantino or Spielberg, no one's going to give me a check. So we got to get from crowdfunding. Yeah. Do you find that you've, uh, do you feel like you found your voice already as a director? Yes. Um, awesome. I, uh, my first couple of narrative shorts, I was just kind of emulating, you know, like I want to kind of do this thing or I kind of want to do that thing. And, and 
it kind of matched up with uh, the screenwriting, you know, um, it's it's um, it's very, very apparent when a screenwriter has a voice, when a screenwriter has something they want to say and more specifically, they want to say it how they want to say it. Um, it comes through in, in the writing instead of it just being, you know, this is what it looks like and this is what they're saying. It's it's they're they're telling you the story and and why all at one time um and for me it kind of came across at the same time like i just i love characters that are dealing with cognitive dissonance whether it's it's you know uh soldiers in combat worried about ethical issues or uh characters going throughout a, a regular day but just still dealing with is this right is this wrong that's that's my bread and butter. That's where I lie. And, and that's where pretty much all of my projects revolve around. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, we are coming up toward the end of our time. Paul, did you want to get any more in there? Um, I'm not sure if you covered this just because you've been so forthcoming with all the information. So how far along is the Kickstarter? I mean, or have you, you've, I assume you've launched it. Uh, we did, but we're doing a relaunch. We're doing okay. A on when does this drop? Uh, whenever you want to, sir. <laughs> Uh, we usually do it uh, around Thursday of the week, so we could do this coming Thursday or whenever. Yeah. Launch on Thursday. We're having our relaunch on Monday, the 20th, and the relaunch is going to be on Indiegogo, but we will be launching on Indiegogo on the 25th. So, um, Justin, I can send you like the actual, you know, updated URL and everything, but before then, cool. uh, we're relaunching on the 25th. Um, and we principal photography is March 26th through the 28th. All right. That's exciting. It is. I've done three Kickstarters now for uh, book stuff, uh, not short films. I, books are easier, in my opinion, because you can do all the artwork and stuff for the different characters and do fun things like that. Uh, you know, for, for, for the movie, it just confuses me. But, uh, uh, <laughs> I look forward to watching how yours goes, and then I have some buddies who just did one that was very successful. So I've been looking at theirs, and and it seems it seems great. Uh, it seems like a good way to go. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so anything else you wanted to share with our audience? Maybe aspiring filmmakers or uh, other veterans looking to get creative, or whatever else you have to share. Um, for veterans who want to pursue. Um, a creative career path. Uh, I can't suggest it more. We have a very uh, specific um, memory palette. You know, we have we we've been through experiences that not everyone has. So that's a great um, you know kind of a, a great situation to be in to have that that memory palette to be able to paint some pretty amazing stories with. Uh, and I would suggest going at it with the same mission minded kind of. Um, uh, mindset, you know, uh, you, you, you gotta go in knowing that there's, um, trillions of people who try and very few succeed. Uh, it's an industry where you can literally do everything right and have the talent and still never go anywhere. So you gotta have the mindset of, um, you gotta, you gotta have the, the creativity. You gotta have the, the drive to continually be a hard worker and to continue to pursue, um, because it's true. It's, it's an industry where, you know, the timing's gotta be right. You gotta meet the right person. 
But even if all of that happens and you don't have the work put in, if you don't have the material, if you don't have the relationships, nothing's going to come of it. So um, network as much as possible. Know that you've got to volunteer a lot up front um, and uh, get on set as often as possible. If you want to direct, if you want to, if you want to write, I can't suggest roadmap writers enough. They are the single greatest screenwriting system out there. Uh, they're connected with real industry members and uh, they're one of the few that it's not highway robbery. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of, uh, and I, I know you guys know this. There's a lot of quote unquote script consultants and, and things out there. That's nothing but scam. Uh, roadmap driver roadmap writers is amazing. Pretty cool. I have not checked them out yet, so maybe I will and be able to talk about it in future dates. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Do we yep. want plugs? Yeah. Anything else you want to throw at them? Uh, Twitter or whatever, too, for people where people can find you. Yeah. Uh, for the the point of relationship killers, the film. Uh, we are on all the social media: uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think we're. Um, but it's uh, at Relationship Killers Film on all the platforms. Um, and uh, we'll have an update for the crowdfunding campaign. We'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, look forward to that. And thank you so much again, Noah, for coming on the show. Yeah, I'd love to come back. You know, uh, we got a specific topic, whatever it is. I'm, I love this stuff. Yeah, we're always happy. I was telling my wife just yesterday or something like I was feeling down, you know, when I don't have my uh, my crew, my my peeps to talk to. Uh, she has found her network in some weird online group she's part of. And I just remember when talking to you two that this is kind of where it is. You know, this is where I get my chance to get out there and talk to people who understand the passion for creativity. So thanks, both of you, <laughs> for serving that role in my life. All right. Uh, everybody listening? creative writing life podcast if you can leave a review spread the word of mouth all that stuff that'd be great uh please check out noah's kickstarter if you're able to contribute that's always awesome i even love when people can contribute like a dollar or ten dollars or whatever you know it doesn't have to be a huge thousand dollar contribution it just feels nice to know that people care and you're looking at that little number of like oh 100 supporters that's so cute and thank you so much you know what i mean so anything you can help him out with i'm sure he'll appreciate and and, and share actually sharing the campaign oh, yeah, sharing. for like the more people see it the more people who can do the dollar donations the five dollar donation <laughs> don't worry about oh I, i'm not going to be able to help i can't like a dollar or two that's fine and then share it share it on as possible uh yeah. i think everyone enough yeah spread the word spread the word all right everybody i'm justin sloan and you can find me on amazon or on twitter at justin m sloan and I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, MaximumZ.blog. I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. This has been the Creative Writing Life podcast. Thanks for listening. Everybody stay safe and healthy. Now, most importantly, go write something.